This is Rob Cantrell, and you're listening to Rob on Recovery, a podcast dedicated to the belief there is more than one road to sobriety. If what you've tried isn't working, stop doing it. For the next few minutes, kick back and join me and discover tools you'll need to create a life in recovery designed by you, for you. I've always questioned the motives behind a person who, after decades, wants to tell the world about some sexual wrong done to them by someone famous or dead. The dead can't defend themselves, and the famous are Teflon-coated. I mean, nothing sticks to them. Oh, and such doubt and speculation are cast on the victim. What financial gain is a person expecting? What five minutes of fame is worth the public crucifixion they're going to face? Anyone remember Monica Lewinsky and her uh, blue dress? The woman also had a line of upscale purses. She tried to market after that little event, but, uh, you know, hey, no one seems to want to walk around with a Lewinsky on her shoulder. No one ever saw her as a victim. You know, the court of public opinion is vicious and it's unforgiving. Over the past two years, I've been watching all the coverage of Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein as they've been exposed as serial rapists on the evening news, and feelings have come rushing back to me. You know, feelings I thought I had buried a long time ago. Seeing the victims, arms linked unitedly to tell their stories, and a nation united in support made me relive my childhood experiences over and over. Each time I saw the men's faces, I cringed. You know, but on the other hand, I was living vicariously through the women who, and that look, these women bravely recalled the events of assault and rape and threats and humiliation. But I've got to be honest with you. I was angry. My story was unheard. And my uh, my rapist escaped justice. You know, as publicly as uh, Cosby and Weinstein did. In truth, they never will, because I chose to let them roam free to rape again. I intended to die with a very dark secret and carry it to the grave. When I got sober, I realized I had to face some dark and scary places for the first time if I was ever going to be free of the past. And, you know, honestly, it wasn't until I became a substance abuse counselor with a client who described his life as a survivor of childhood rape did I realize I wasn't alone. Oh my God. You know, unknowingly, a person who came to me for help with addiction was helping me with my own past. Now listen, I urge you to stop listening to this recording if you are offended by details of sexual nature. This is my story, and I will tell it as it happened. The only reason I am providing this information is so the other 15.8 million American men alive today who have carried the weight of acts perpetrated upon them by adults will realize they are not alone. There is help, and there's hope for all of us. As I've said, listen, this is what happened in my life. Every bump, every scrape, Every bruise you're about to hear are mine. 
I will assure you it was horrible. You know, I can't relate to terms such as fondled or inappropriately touched or sexually suggestive behavior or violated or assaulted or even molested. I was fucked. Okay? I was raped and I was fucked. In every sense of the word, by two seasoned pedophiles. Not two gay men, but two sadistic pedophiles who destroyed my life. My story follows the standard guidelines pedophiles use to lure children into the grass. You know, it's friendship and trust and seduction, control and threats and blackmail. Pedophiles hone these skills as sharply as a Beverly Hills surgeon scalpel is on Cher's face. You know, and when it happened, you know, removed is a child's innocence and trust and self-worth and self-esteem and sense of identity and, I mean, your security. It seems like a lot of work just to get laid. Doesn't it? Well, it is. What must be understood is sex is not the reason pedophiles rape children. The sexual gratification comes from taking complete power and control away from a child. Sex is nothing more than an act. So if you're one of the 15.8 million other American men like me who has lived through this, keep reading and keep listening as I'm talking. Because this is my story. I was around 10 years old when these two old men bought the house next to my parents in a historic part of Jacksonville called Avondale. I remember watching the movers carrying boxes into their home. The home was originally owned by the Cummer family, who later there's an art gallery and gardens in the area. This house was originally part of that. And uh, as a kid, the house fascinated me because years prior, there were barges that carried the, this massive structure and sections down the St. John's River, which goes through Avondale from its original location to where it stands today, which was next door to where I lived. I was dying to go inside just to see I was reconnected, and once it got to my neighborhood, unfortunately, I got my chance. You know, the day these men moved in, they waited until the movers left, and they lured me to climb a ladder and check their house's gutters for leaves. I was offered $100 to climb a ladder, and I jumped at it. Look, I don't know. Please, realize the times and the cash. A 10-year-old in the mid-1970s being offered $100 to do anything wasn't a possibility in my world. Now, I realize it was bait. Within one hour, I was raped by two old men and a single Polaroid photo taken, which sealed my fate. For the next four years, those men blackmailed me with that Polaroid, threatening to show it to my friends and to my teachers and to my parents and my neighbors' TV stations. Even my grandparents. <laughs> God. 
in those days, you know, my parents taught evening courses at a community college four nights a week and never returned home before 10.30 p.m. So, you know, I was a latchkey kid. Oh, God, which, you know, it made it easy for the rapist to merely pick up the phone and order me to come to them. So I did. I was more fearful and ashamed of the Polaroid than I was of rape. Over the course of hundreds of rapes, I was able to disassociate my mind from what was happening to my body. I lived in fear of a ringing telephone, thinking they were going to call. They were going to share that photo with someone, and I would be exposed. Forty years have passed, and still, you know, I've got to force myself to answer a ringing telephone because I have flashbacks. I've lived without a house phone for years, and this is why. You know, what saved me from those two rapists, and that's what they were, they were just, they were just rapists. What saved me from those two rapists was nothing I did. It was nothing anyone did for me. It was time. <laughs> I had grown out of the prepudescent child they craved and into a teenager. And in other words, they didn't want me. My freedom came in a single phone call one evening. And I remember it like it happened this morning. <laughs> oh, my God. One of the men said, hey, don't ever come here again. With all this Anita Brandt shit going on, we don't want you here. I burned the Polaroid, so there is no evidence you've ever been in this house. Then he hung up. He just hung up. As unceremoniously as that. There was no closure or validation, no apologies or, or therapy or punishment or restitution. There was nothing. Pubic hair saved me. I wasn't good enough to rape any longer. Damn, how was I supposed to process any of it? You know, I had Stockholm Syndrome and I felt I'd done something wrong to two rapists that ruined my fucking life. I remember hanging up the phone in shock and disbelief that the photo was destroyed. You know, for decades, I was unable to open mail and fear that that Polaroid was going to be in an envelope. Even today, Keith opens the mail in our place. I mean, I'd sit there and, and forever. I wouldn't open it. This is an area I'm still trying to, to overcome in my life, I have to be honest with you. You know, within months of the phone call, those two guys, those two monsters, moved. You know, leaving the carnage of what they'd done to me in the past. It was my responsibility to hide the memories of four years and try to forget any of it happened. I did a miserable job of that. I had no coping skills or anyone to help me with any of the trauma. It also laid the groundwork for a, for a lifetime of alcoholism and drug addiction and disastrous marriages and, Jesus Christ, uh, self-destruction. Oh, God, fear and guilt and shame and inability to trust anybody, you know, or even to develop any type of a healthy relationship. You know, for the sake of power and control, two very twisted souls destroyed me. 
then quietly moved on to the next victim. <laughs> oh, God. I have no idea what happened to those men, who they raped after me or where they went. I mean, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. Oh, I do know that the universe always takes care of itself. If I'll get out of the way. You know, I choose to believe it kicked the living shit out of the two of them. And with that belief, I had peace. You know, listen, I, I wanted understood that I am not looking for revenge or compensation or a few moments of shock value reactions. You know, nothing can be done to erase the past or the events in my life. You know, I, I don't live there anymore. I, I don't live there anymore. If anything at all, I have to tell you, I would like for them just to answer a simple question for me. Why me? I wasn't athletic and good-looking or anything more than forgettable. I mean, why did you decide I wasn't worth having a childhood? Why didn't you just kill me instead of forcing me to live with the scars and the memories? Was that your final act of, you know, control, knowing I would destroy myself or destroy what was left of my life? You know, um, it didn't work. It didn't work. You know, I sought help. And if the rapists are out there, you didn't destroy me. To anyone who has been victimized by rape and assault, there is help for you. RAIN, which is an acronym for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. You know, RAIN created and operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline in partnership with them of more than a thousand local sexual assault service providers all over the country. There's help there. You know, RAIN also carries out programs to prevent sexual violence and to help survivors and to ensure that perpetrators are brought to justice. I made a call and quite frankly, it changed my life. I have no words of wisdom or comfort to anyone who has survived childhood sexual abuse or rape or assault. The only thing I can tell you is in no way is it your fault. In no way is it your fault. If you're listening to this, do as I did. Call Rain. It's free. And to those two guys that shattered my life so long ago, fuck you, I survived. I'm Rob Cantrell. This is my journey, and this is my life. 